and we'll be reading through chapter 6, verse 13. If you'd like to follow along in the Blue Pew Bibles in front of you, you can turn to page 48. Exodus chapter 5, verse 22. And again, we'll be reading through chapter 6, 13. Please rise in honor of, of today's reading of God's holy and inerrant word. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done all this evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groan of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will, deliver, will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians." I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for possession. I am the Lord. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. So the Lord said to Moses, go in. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am un of uncircumcised lips. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Sometimes things uh, don't work out the way we hope it to. In a matter of fact, Sometimes we proceed to do exactly what God wants us to do, but it turns out to be disastrous. In the last couple of months, I noticed um, my blood pressure has gone up substantially. 
um, normally of very good health and excellent blood pressure. I deduce um, situation to stress. There's been uh, a number of things that's been occupying my mind the last couple of months. As you know, my um, brother-in-law uh, came down with cancer, and he went home to be with the Lord. My father, uh, who's in his early 90s, have Alzheimer and is progressing further where he gets angry or consistently over imaginary things. It's been particularly difficult for my mother. There's been various challenges uh, here uh, that I had to deal with at church. I try to do the right things. Somehow things were not turning out as I hope it to be. I'm sure all of you face different kinds of stress, whether it might be at home, at work, or even at church. You might want to do the right things, but things do not turn out the way you anticipate it to be. It is easy for us to ask the question, why? We work hard, but is that person that's lazy over there that gets the promotion? Why? Mother does everything that he can to raise her children in a proper manner, but her daughter grows up and turns away from the Lord. Why? A brother wants to do something good, but another person misunderstands his intention and thinks that he's doing this for a negative purpose. Why? We might blame God, and sometimes we blame others, and we might even blame ourselves. We doubt what God says, and we question if he's going to follow through what, what he promised that he would do. Really, instead of asking why, we should really ask who. Who's really in charge? This is a similar situation that's happened to Moses. As you recall from last week's message from Exodus chapter 5, Moses was doing all the right things. He obeyed God, going to Pharaoh, asking him on behalf of God to let his people go. He thought that there would be an immediate result, and that Pharaoh would agree to let his people go. But yet the opposite happened. Pharaoh questioned who this God that Moses is talking about. Pharaoh claims himself to be God. How dare anybody challenge him and his authority? Well, as you recalled, the theme of Exodus is you shall know I am. You recall before Moses went to see Pharaoh as well as going to the Hebrew people, Moses asked God, who should I say that sent me? And God quickly replies, says, I am who I am. In other words, God's name here 
Yahweh. He's a self-existing. Oh, for God is higher and greater than all. In Exodus 5, Pharaoh was challenging God as to who is in charge. He feels he is in charge. And God said, well, I am in charge. And Pharaoh flexes his muscles by taking away straws for the Jews to make bricks. They would have to find their own straws. And yet they had to meet the same quota as it was required originally. This is really an impossible task. And we see that the Egyptians accused the Jews of being lazy. They were beaten. The Jews were anticipating a beautiful victory. But it didn't work out as planned. Things went from bad to worse. You recall that God called Moses to lead his people out of Egypt. He resisted, but after much reassurance, he accepted his calling. Now, with the rejection of his own people, Moses questioned his calling. Moses started asking the why questions. I'd like you to turn with me in Exodus chapter 5, beginning verse 22. Exodus chapter 5. Again, verse 22. I'll be reading from the NIV. It says, Oh Lord, why have you brought trouble upon this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble upon this people, and you have not rescued your people at all. Moses started, question, started to question God and blame God. Moses questions the promise that God has made to rescue his people. Moses was basically saying, he says, you have not done anything at all. He was wondering if God knew what he was doing. He complained that what God was doing as was what he was not doing. He accused God as being a troublemaker. Moses says, why have you brought trouble upon your people? He also accused God of breaking his promise by not rescuing them. And really, the issue is not that God will not rescue them, but really it's about a timing as to when God will rescue them. In, in Moses' perspective, things have gotten worse, not better. Now, instead of harboring his frustration and anger, Moses went to the Lord with his concerns. And when he was about to give up, because of all the complaints that he's hearing from his people, he went to the Lord. He felt comfortable enough to go before God. It was an opportunity for him to work out his emotions. It is a proper 
way of dealing with anger and frustration instead of suppressing it. It is much better to talk to God than to take things into our own hands. It's interesting to see how God responded to Moses' complaints. He answered by pointing to who God is. He is the sovereign God who is in total control. He is the covenant-keeping God that he will keep his promise. We see that one of Moses' complaints is that God has not done what he has promised. And God here, we're going to see in the beginning of chapter 6 in verse 1, that God assures Moses by reaffirming his promises. The truth is that God has it all under control. Let us take a look in chapter 6, verse 1. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. And because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. God makes it, makes it very explicit that he is in charge and he is going to prevail. This demonstration of God's authority over, he, he demonstrates his authority over all human power. Not only will Pharaoh let his people go, it says that he will drive them out. He will be so eager to get rid of these people. They said, well, go, 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 get out of here. God is sovereign. And he is in total control. What might appear to surprise Moses in the state of affairs was not a surprise to God. It was all part of God's master plan. God will be honored through his confrontation with Pharaoh. It's an opportunity for God to display his power so that both the Israelites as well as the Egyptians will know the great I am. Matter of fact, that this whole phrase throughout Exodus that you will know that I am the Lord. Many times we need reassurance from God when things are not going according to what we plan, that he is sovereign, that he is in total control, and we can find peace in him because he always writes the last chapter. Moses doubted God. In the same way, there are various times that we also doubted God when we're in the midst of a storm and we cannot see clearly. May we look beyond the storm, those clouds, to see the sun shine brightly on the other side. God promised that he is sovereign, 
he's in total control. God also comforted Moses by reminding Moses of his covenant name. We take a look in verses 3 to 4. And it says, God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan where they live as aliens. God here addresses himself as I am the Lord with capital L-O-R-D, which as uh, you recall, uh, Pastor Jason mentioned that is the word Yahweh. In other words, I am that I am, that's Yahweh. That describe God as a self-existing, eternal God. It represents that God is the absolute. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. In verse 1, we see that it states what God will do to demonstrate his authority. Here in these next couple of verses, he gives his name to explain why he has authority, because he is Yahweh. He is the God of the universe. See, back in those days, Pharaoh was acknowledged as their God. Here we see a clash of gods. Who is going to show that he is in control? Will it be God or Pharaoh? They're going to kind of duke it out. That's exactly what's going to happen in the next six chapters. They will go ten rounds to determine who is the champion. When God first appeared to Abraham, God declared his name to be Almighty God. In other words, Elohim which is really a generic name. Here, on the other hand, God revealed to Moses his personal name, Yahweh. God is comforting Moses by revealing who he is, by emphasizing his covenant name. Moses can find security and comfort that God is a personal God and has total authority. Instead of asking why things are not going as planned, I mean, we ask who? Who is in control? He is Yahweh. He is the covenant-keeping God. He keeps his promise. Although it has not come to pass yet, we can be assured that it will come to pass. His promises are based upon his character. God has made promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob through the Abrahamic covenant. See, in the Abrahamic covenant, he made three major promises. And as we see the Jews in Egypt, God has fulfilled two of the three promises already which was recorded in Genesis chapter 12. 
See, the first promise is that God says you will have a great sea or great descendants. Your sea will be like the stars in the skies and the sands in the sea, seaside. The second promise is that God will bless his people and that they will be a blessing to others. And as you remember, in the very beginning of Exodus chapter 1, that the Hebrew people were growing in an astonishing rate that it threatened Pharaoh. Fearing, fearing that they would take over, Pharaoh placed them in bondage as slaves. God also blessed his people. They were being so fruitful and abundant that Pharaoh feared them. In Exodus chapter 1, verse 7, it says that the Hebrew were fruitful and multiplied greatly and became exceedingly numerous so that the land was filled with them. Now, well, there's one last promise that God has not fulfilled yet. And that is that God promised his people an everlasting land. God remember his covenant and he's going to use Moses to deliver his people out of Egypt to go into the promised land in fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. To reassure Moses, God tells him that he felt the burden of his people and will deliver them. We see this in verse 5. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. You see here, God's not only a covenant-keeping God, but he's also a compassionate God who hears his people's groaning. It is comforting to know that God hears our Groaning. God promised in 1 Peter 5, 7, he says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. The Lord feels the burden of his people and he will deliver them. As I've been uh, preparing for this message, um, I find great comfort to be reminded that God is sovereign, that he's in total control, although certain things might not appear to be going right to me. I cried out to the Lord, and he heard my groaning. He comforted me from his word. As I cast my anxiety upon him, he cares for me. My heart has become at peace knowing that God is in control. Before I knew it, couldn't understand it, my blood pressure fell back down to a regular level. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, 
present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So all that God started working in his mysterious way that I am at peace. If you are doing, trying to do the right things, but things are not going well, may you turn to the Lord, cry it out to him for assistance. His promise to be with us even to the end of the earth. We all have access to the throne of grace. And may we not take it for granted. Our mediator, Jesus Christ, intercedes for us. He hears our groaning. The Bible says in James chapter 4, 2 and 3, it says, you do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasure. Let's go before God and ask God with good motive. God proceeds in verse 6 to address himself again as I am the Lord. This is again the stating that he is Yahweh. He goes, he goes not to, he, he goes on to, to express seven I will statements, reminding his people that what he will do. Follow with me in verses six to eight. It says, Therefore, say to Israel, Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptian, and I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord, or Yahweh. God said that he will bring his people out under the yoke of the Egyptian and will free them from being slaves. Some of us here might be under bondage in various areas. Some of us might be under the bondage of money where greed has infiltrated into our life. Some of us might be under the bondage of pornography where lust dominates our mind. Some of us might be under the bondage of insecurity, where others controls what we do. God can set us free from all of these bondages. There's nothing too hard for our God. The biggest bondage we are under is the bondage of sin. 
The Bible says the wages of sin is death. You know, we have to pay that penalty or someone else pay that penalty on our behalf. And Jesus Christ came to die on the cross to pay the penalty of our sins. And when we place our personal faith in him and what he has done on the cross and believing that he resurrected from the dead, that we will be saved. We are set free from the condemnation of sin because Jesus redeemed us. God will recognize us as his own people, and he will be our God. He will stand by our side. These were really comforting words from God. Moses now is armed with encouragement as he takes these words of promises from God to the Israelites. It is exciting to see what God is going to do. It would be a shootout between God and Pharaoh who will come out victoriously. In the next several chapters of Exodus, we'll see God will have an overwhelming victory over Pharaoh through the ten plagues. With God's outstretched arm, and with God's mighty act of judgment, he will break the most powerful ruler of the world. Pharaoh does not stand a chance against God. It is comforting that God is on our side. What he promises, he will come through. God wants to be honored and glorified, and he desires to have the opportunity to display his power. There was a little boy who was being picked on at school. Next day, he brought his dad with him. You see, his dad was 6'8", 325 pounds. Came to school with his son. Bully looked at his father. He, out of great fear, he ran away. We need to remember that we have our Heavenly Father who will defend for us. He's the great Yahweh. May we turn to him and trust him. God is a sovereign God. God is a covenant-keeping God. God is a compassionate God. When we aren't in trouble, may we not ask the question why, but may we ask the question who. Who is God? When we take it to heart, recognizing that God is sovereign, that he is in total control, we can go to him with our trouble. God is also a covenant-keeping God. He will, we can find assurance that he will keep his promises. Although we do not know the future, yet we know that he holds the future and he holds our hand. And lastly, we know that God is a compassionate God. He hears our groaning and will help to deliver us. May we not try to try to do more willpower to resolve the situation, but may we seek to know God more personally so that we can transfer our trust from ourselves to God who loves us because we are his people. Although um, Moses was discouraged initially, 
from the response from both the Israelites and Pharaoh, he's encouraged again as God reassures him of his promises. He was reminded of God's covenant name. He was assured that God felt the burden of his people and promised to deliver them. He recognizes his calling and proceeds to go to tell the Hebrew people. Although Moses told the Israelites of all that God promised to them, they did not listen to him because they were so discouraged. Let's take a look at verses 9-10. It says, Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their dis discouragement and cruel bondage. Then the Lord said to Moses, go and tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the Israelites go out of his country. Again, we see God commanded Moses to speak to Pharaoh again. See, that is God's calling for Moses to represent him. The Lord sent Moses back to Pharaoh to tell him to let his people go. God helped Moses to stay on track based on God's calling for him. My question to you is, what does God call you to do? He has given you some unique gifts, passions, and personality to fulfill your calling. When we carry out our calling, that's when we could be most fulfilled. God's given to Jamie, one of our high school graduates, a beautiful voice. As you use that for the Lord as, as she participates in the worship team. I thank God for Fong, who, who to, is a real servant of God, he loves to work behind the scene. Whether we are visibly serving God or serving God behind the scene, God has called us. May we find, may, may we make ourselves available to God to use us. We see in verse 12 uh, that, he, that Moses felt defeated again because the people did not listen to him. And although Moses was discouraged again, questioning his ability to communicate, God still believed in him. See, it's not about his ability that makes a difference, but it is about Moses' availability. God will use him as the instrument for his glory. And then as we... Take a look in verses 13 to 27. It records this Moses and Aaron's family record, the genealogy of Moses and Aaron. This is important because it shows that God has prepared Moses and Aaron for their ministry in Egypt. See, Moses and Aaron come from the tribe of Levi. Later, we're going to see that this special tribe of Levi has a special task that's appointed to them to serve the Lord, particularly in the temple as well in the priestly function. The genealogy focuses on Moses and Aaron, 
and this his authority to lead the people. See, God has a special calling for them. As we take a look in verses 26 and 27, it says, It was this same Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, Bring the Israelites out of Egypt by their divisions. They were the ones who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, about bringing the Israelites out of Egypt. It was the same Moses and Aaron. We see here, Moses as well as Aaron are embarked on the mission that they were created for. Now, in conclusion, when things are not going as expected, it is natural for us to doubt and question God. But instead of asking why this is happening to us, if we ask the question, who? Who is in control? God is Yahweh. He is the sovereign God who's in total control. God is the covenant-keeping God that keeps his promises. God is the compassionate God that hears our groaning and will deliver us. What God promises will indeed come to fruition. May we seek what God has called us to do. And may we make ourselves available to God to do great things through us. Let's bow for prayer. Lord, um, thank, thank you, Lord, for helping us to focus on you today. Too often when things are not going right, we question you. Yet we know that you're in total control. Teach us to have faith in you. Teach us to understand what you're calling us to do. May we be obedient to you. In Christ's name, amen. Let's declare that our God is the great I am and sing from our souls the unchangeable promises that he has for us, that he will bring us out from the land of suffering. He will still our fears. He will be our light, our strength, our song. He will save us from our sin and stand.